When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Draft pod, full effect. Jake, first time we do this in person? First time in person. Oh, man. Show history right here. Special, special stuff. Of course, presented by DraftKings. Use that code DNVR. The offers are insane right now with the start of the NFL season. College football week two is here. We all lost our asses on college football, but Thursday night, Thursday night, I saw that one. I saw that one coming. You do well, Justin? No, I, I got killed this weekend as well. Um, but what about Thursday night? No, nah, forget I the weekend. Yeah, Thursday was was rough for me as well. Oh, uh, I was boy. in on the I was in on the Rams as well as Jake and uh, yeah. Hank. So not our finest showing. Um, the Bills. I mean, five minutes into the game, I knew I had lost that bet. So it was one of those where you just cut your losses and, and move on. But man, the Rams looked like a team that had uh, been enjoying the Super Bowl tour. We'll say that. Yeah, different squad and great SGP from the folks at DraftKings, but somehow Cooper Cup falls a touchdown short of it. Mm. Devastating. I had an SGP hit. Did you? I did. I took Josh Allen, Josh Allen anytime score, Bills over 21 points, Josh Allen over 280 passing yards. <laughs> this guy, Josh huh? Allen? Um, I'm, going, I'm already going off what we... What I'd sent you guys as the rundown, but you mentioned CSU, us all being in on CSU, that not working out. I was also in on the buffs. That didn't work out. I was also in on Oregon. That didn't work out. Worst bet of the entire weekend. Um, Football locally and out west not looking great this last weekend. Did we get a lifeline with this 12-team playoff? To an extent, I mean, it, I, I think it, at least in theory, gives you know the, the teams out here a reason to keep trying to be competitive. I don't know if it's actually going to lead to more champions in the end or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're a fan of the Pac-12, you're sitting here looking at Oregon just not even looking, looking like they belong on the field with Georgia. And that's got to make you nervous because that's the type of thing that, you know, the narrative that's going to linger all season long, the CFB playoff committee, it's just going to be so hard for teams out West to get in, in this four team format. So yeah, I think the, the 12 team format is, is encouraging if you're a fan of the PAC 12 or a G five school or really just anybody out West in general. But why, why do we do this every year? Why do we talk ourselves into thinking that like a good PAC 12 team is capable of hanging with the SEC every year? 
every single year, week one, it's like, yeah, they're pretty good. And, and we talk ourselves into it in Oregon, you know, they're really physical and they are, but man, it, the, the disparity in talent right now between those top couple of teams and everybody else is insane. Like the top six and everybody else, but even like the gap between Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state and everybody else is just, it's not fair. Maybe add Michigan to that list. Yeah, we'll see. We were talking about that preseason though. Like, are we sleeping on Michigan? And I don't know. I mean, Justin, you got a live look before we go to Jake. By the way, UCLA did beat LSU last September. Does happen. Yeah, but that was. I mean, hey, man, we're, we're talking team. like the <laughs> top SEC teams. When you get these Alabama USC matchups, you know, the Oregon Georgia. But yes, you're right. I, I'll give Utah was UCLA right there. credit. Utah is good enough. <laughs> you. Utah did not lose that game because they are not talented. Everything that was a factor, we thought it would be. The the home field, the hot crowd. But you want to know what we didn't prepare for? Anthony freaking Richardson, who I was not high on going into this game, and he made me look really dumb because he basically won that game by himself. Yeah. Um, do you feel a little invigorated before we get into the A-Rich talk? In terms um, of playoff? Yeah, I mean, the, like, it does feel like the four-man field did exactly what Justin just described, created this top tier right. of Bama, Ohio State, Georgia that's, like, almost impenetrable right now. Though, in fairness, Georgia somehow broke through. They were not in that tier just three years ago. Well, I mean, Clemson dropped out, I guess, so... Have they? Are we are uh, we writing Dabo's uh, eulogy already? That was a pretty rough first half, man. I don't I know. Mean, that was pretty brutal. I mean, in terms of the playoff, though, uh, something I talked about a couple months ago, I mean, the math just never worked out with four, right? You had five, six power conferences. You had four playoff spots. Someone was always going to get left out. Now at least you have everyone a chance at a seat at the table uh, with the at-large bids, too. I mean, that's huge for a lot of these teams. Yes, so, I mean, as a fan and especially, you know, someone that covers a team out West, I think you have to be excited about it. It just gives you a chance, as Justin said. Um, but, yeah, we can get into Anthony Richardson. Does that this devalue is, the regular season, though? Because I worry with 12 teams. what we always itch, worried about. You know, you're, you're inching towards NBA territory at this point where it's like, does the regular season really even matter that much? Obviously, or you college have, basketball. Yeah, like you have to handle business. Obviously, if you lose a bunch of games, you're not going to get in. But I don't know. 12 might be too many. Like, I, I like it from the standpoint of being a guy that's in Colorado and thinking of it through our perspective. Like, how could a Colorado school, how could a G5 school, how could a Pac-12 school even get into the playoff? 12 makes it easier, but I don't know. It, it 12 man fields essentially New Year's 6, though. The New Year's 6 point. is it's making actually mad. Yeah, it just makes those bowls count more, which, which is fine. I and guess my we'll argument here more is... If I'm 12 and 0 Alabama, I just rolled through the SEC and now I got to play extra games so that like 9 and 3 Iowa State gets their fair shot. Like I, <laughs> I I could see the argument that it's just like we're really just kind of making these top teams go through the ringer and potentially risk injury and but at the same time like it's just gotten so stale from a every yeah. year it's going to be these four. Well with 12 don't doesn't the top four get a buy then so you get one the buy. math would work out yep. yeah so i mean at least there's some sort of advantage if you're a top four team which i think we're assuming there's going to just always be this group of four or five teams that are above everyone else i mean that's what we have now 
So if you look at it now, it'd be Georgia, Alabama, probably Ohio State, maybe Michigan as the buy teams. I mean, mm-hmm. who else would who else would you throw? Well, the Pac-12 would get an auto bid all of a sudden. Exactly. So so now Oregon and Utah, which we'll get into, has week one changed your final four predictions? Um, all of a sudden, their season doesn't feel sunk after week one. It's a good point. I'm not. I'm not upset that the. Field is 12 teams because I want as many fans in college football engaged as possible. I just don't know if like the quality of the product is actually going to be that great. But one thing I do think that they could to make it incredibly intriguing, every single one of these playoff games, except for the championship should be on campus. That would be the most intense Mm. sporting atmosphere of anywhere. Could you imagine some of these Ohio state, Michigan, like make these games really count. And make it show off what we love about this sport. We don't love watching these teams play in a stadium states away from where they are that's half full and the people that are there are just a bunch of rich, you know, company executives and stuff. What makes college football epic is the intensity. They could make this the most intriguing playoffs, even if the football wasn't great. Just from a spectacle of like, God, this is intense. Well, that's a way to kind of give the underdogs a chance too. I mean, if you make... I don't know, hypotheticals here. If you make Alabama travel to, God, I don't know, Clemson for a week one playoff game, like that raises the stakes on both mm-hmm. sides. Alabama is in for a fight now. This yep. isn't just... Yep. All Alab- of a sudden, what Justin described as like, Alabama's oh, just going to roll those first two right. rounds gets a little trickier. Exactly. Because on a neutral, those elite teams, barring fluke or like right. a situation where they beat themselves with turnovers and stuff like that, they're just not going to lose. But I, you really do have a true home field advantage in college football that's just not really existent in the NFL. And last night was a great example. Being at home didn't mean shit for the Rams. Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing you talked about was, you know, it does open you up to injuries. But now the kids are getting paid. Do I care as much? It's a good point. NIL changes all of this. And yeah. the fact that, I mean, some of these kids, uh, NIL deals are making more than they would make on a rookie salary anyways. Well, so. and you wonder, guys like Anthony Richardson, who I'd like to get into, obviously a magical performance and a kid who as a college quarterback has some insane juice. As a pro prospect, it's a little more borderline because right now it's more of the legs than the arm that get you excited. Oh yeah, Could he at Florida be getting such intriguing money to where he's not inclined to declare until he is a senior. I think it's possible. I mean, think about Tebow back in the day. What would Tim Tebow's NIL worth have been for the Florida Gators in the mid 2000s? Like everybody knew he wasn't in, you know, legit pocket passer in the NFL, but God, he was fun in college. Like he, probably could have made more. In- oh, and he stayed in school too because exactly. it wasn't working out for you. Like he, <laughs> he knew and then somehow McDaniels made him first rounder. But um, yeah, no, I mean, he should have been one of the most, pr- like he's the ultimate NIL example. It's him and Johnny Manziel. Who, yeah, I mean, yeah, they would, and Reggie Bush implied he was already getting paid. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say Bush and Manziel got theirs anyway. Very much getting bags. <laughs> yeah. We know about that. But Anthony Richardson, anything else we want to say on that? I mean, truly splendiferous performance or Florida in general before we get to some other winners from the week. Uh, Billy Napier, I talked him up a lot mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was a hell of a win. I thought they were prepared. I thought they were well coached for Utah, what they were going to bring to the table. 
again, I, I really think the difference in this game was Anthony Richardson, and I no am doubt. still every bit as high on Utah as I was going into this game. Losing a game the way they lost it, you know, that interception by Cam Rising at the end, that was terrible. Terrible. You can't make that decision. You're in field goal range, play for OT, but it, it doesn't change my opinion on him. I don't want to get too overreactionary on week one. I still think Utah is clearly the toughest and, and most talented team in the Pac-12 I mean, USC is, is probably a fair argument talent-wise, but I don't know. I, I think Utah is, is going to be just fine. And as great as that performance was from Florida, I want to see it for a couple more weeks because oh, I, I do think there is a little bit of element of it's week one. You have, you've got the new coach, the juice, everything. Now can you sustain it? In terms of Florida, uh, a couple of guys impressed me, actually. Ricky Pearsall, the receiver, the little white slut guy, he, I thought he had some juice. Uh, Ventrell Miller, a guy at linebacker, we've talked about him for quite a while. He had a decent game with nine total tackles, had a half tackle for a loss, and a pass breakup. Crazy he's still in college. Yeah, he's been there for forever. Um, and then on the Utah side, how about those tight ends? I mean, other than Georgia, this has to be the best tight end room in the country. But Brant Keithy and then Dalton Kincaid, uh, Keithy with yeah. the big game at nine receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Kincaid only a couple catches, but they were impactful when they happened. And yeah, I'm still in on Cam Rising. I think he showed it just how much of a veteran he is in college yeah, football. Yeah. And just honestly, he's a dual threat guy too because he was making plays on yes, the man. on the run. So um, yeah, very impressive guys on both sides. And he's one throw away from getting hyped up. Not quite like Richardson is just because he had the highlight plays and the one where he, you know, pump fakes and pirouettes out of the pass rush to deliver the, the strike on the conversion. That's that's video game type stuff. But I mean, if if they go down and convert that drive, everybody's talking about like, oh, my God, Cam rising like right. to do that in the swamp after giving up the lead. Like, I, what a performance. This guy's got something here when you lose. You know, nobody talks about you. It's all yeah. about Anthony Richardson. But especially with the game ending interception, that does live a bit of a yeah. That's bad it, taste that's why mouth. we had to bring it up. It was it was really bad. I mean, it's just it's inexcusable it's in that scenario. Really You've already done the hard part. You're in field goal range, and we were all in on Utah minus three. Like the Tud gets us over that. Come on, man, we're there. It was brutal. I'll say this though: Camerising still didn't throw the worst interception of a Pac-12 quarterback last weekend. <laughs> Shout out, Bo Nix. <laughs> The yeah, first one I was mean, not on him. The first one was just a phenomenal play by the DB when he tried to stretch the field. Incredible play on the ball. I, I should have had his name in my notes. That's my bad. But wasn't he a freshman? Yeah, yeah. true freshman. That's the freshman. <laughs> George is insane, dude. And yeah. like that was a Champ Bailey type pick to it adjust really in the air. It was it was very impressive. But yeah, Bonix is the uh, second one was Bonix. The second one was so brutal though, dude. I mean, you could see that coming on TV from a mile away. I just. I can't believe that this guy is still getting these opportunities, to be quite honest. Well, that's where I think you see the greatest divide between the SEC and the rest is the rest has convinced themselves that these mediocre, at best, SEC quarterbacks can be the answer for right. them. And I mean... Well, sh look at Colorado with JT Shroud. I mean, it's kind of why they took him in. He was an mm -hmm. SEC guy at Tennessee. Right. who played yep. a couple downs. Absolutely. Hasn't man. done much for Colorado yet. Here's the yep. thing, guys. Very rarely does somebody drop down and actually be an impactful player. As, as somebody who, you know, G5 teams had been kind of the, the model for this before the portal even took off being the, like, safe haven for these guys that were, you know, highly touted recruits that didn't work out. So, oh, you know, I was a four-star, 
didn't get the playing time. I'm going to go right into the Mountain West and I'm going to kill it. Usually it's just because they're not that good. And it's like a matter of they got overevaluated coming out of high school and they got offered by a program that they probably shouldn't have. You know, it, we're seeing it with some of these other guys like Slovis and I don't just. Or you're Spencer Rattler yeah. and you fall up to the SEC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many chances true. is Rattler going to get? Uh, there are a few exceptions. Preston Williams, kind of an exception. Jeff Driscoll going to LA Tech. No, kind it definitely of an happens. Like Preston but, was, but his was more of a behavior. It, that thing. also stems from like there's some real pressure in the SEC to like mm-hmm. look good on the recruiting rankings. It matters like more than actually winning. Shit. It's yeah. why Dan Mullen's no longer Stupid. at Florida. It's why the boosters didn't like McElwain either. Oregon, Georgia. I was really disappointed by those linebackers. Christian Gonzalez, yeah, man. horrible first game. Didn't show up at all. No. no. Um, and gun to my head, would you guys in day three of the NFL draft next year, if you were the GMs of a team, you have to use this pick on one of these two quarterbacks. Mm. Would you take Stenson Bennett or DJ Ugalele? Oh, wow. Yep, 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 yep. The hard questions come now. I still think DJ has the raw traits that would probably, you'd talk yourself into it. Because when he flashes it, you see it. Like he had a couple of plays where he improvised and was able to create. And you're like, oh, that's that's what I got obsessed with in that Notre Dame game. That I mean, and that is how the NFL still operates. That's how Dabo's still operating. It's why he's, he's still like, out there. Dude was a five-star. Like He'll turn it around. It happened with Carson Palmer last year. He finally turned it around, became the Heisman first overall pick. I think the problem if you're Clemson is you look at the state of the ACC, what you have talent-wise outside of quarterback is miles above everybody mm-hmm. else in the conference. You've got essentially a free run at the playoff, and you can't really afford to go another season of just not having an offense that's able to move because even if you sneak into the playoffs, we see with Bama, with Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan – like, it's not that they just have insane front sevens anymore. <laughs> They're going to throw 50 on you. Dre, I'll counter your question with a question. If Clemson, I would take Stetson Bennett, by the way. If Clemson had Stetson Bennett, how good of a football team are we talking about here? Minimal difference off of Georgia, in my mind, at this point. So Minimal yeah, difference. Exactly. So my answer is also Stetson Bennett. Yeah. I, I mean... You've seen the highest highs from DJ, of course, in that Notre Dame game last year. But, I mean, really, man, that's all we've seen. And Stetson Bennett, I've got a, a body of work to lean on. I've seen improvement year over year to, I mean, just last year to this year. He, uh, Dre, you mentioned that, I mean, watching the game on Saturday, he looks even better this year than mm-hmm. he was last year. Um, just in terms of mobility and playmaking. So I think it's honestly quite clear at this point that I would rather have Stetson than DJ. It's crazy. I usually hate those, you know, small time quarterbacks. Um, God, I can never remember the Notre Dame guy, Ian something. Ian Book. Ian Book. Um, I mean, just go to Florida. Jake Fromm, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Murray. No, that's the Aaron Murray, God, Georgia. Damn it! I've I've Bobo had a few of those over terms. the years that yeah. he was able to kind of use the talent they had in the backfield and the receiving core to offset some of the deficiencies they had as a yep. passer. But Stetson's developed and he's playing with some swagger. It's not that yeah. he, like you see the confidence yeah. out there. Yeah. He just, he looks like a different player than he did when he first took over for Georgia. And we saw that in the second half of the national championship, being quite honest as a Bama guy, having to watch him 
you know, make some of those big throws. I was just yeah. like, who the fuck is this kid? Stetson Bennett? Are you kidding me? This isn't the guy I watched eight weeks ago. No, he's coming around. He's turning me into a believer, and he's just so small. I uh, still think he's probably like a late second, early third round pick is where I would have him oh now, gosh. which means he's probably like an early. Way high, but yeah, but you get overdrafted when you're old. a quarterback. That's the other thing. He's 24. He's 24. He turns 25 in October. Oh, I thought he was like 22. No, this is an old. And that's guy. the other thing. He's very plugged into that offense, and that yeah. offense has been underrated. It's not just the tight ends. It's not just the running backs. That O line, that scheme's been very good. Darnell Washington, probably the most impressive tight end, Goodness. actually a Broncos potential pick. I think he'd be around where the Broncos start to have picks. Um, I mean, two seventy mountain of a man, <laughs> and he's like. If eating it, guys that if was you amazing. haven't seen the highlight you need to pull up that highlight of his run down the sideline i think they they were throwing from like inside the 10 georgia was it was a little dump off and darnell washington literally looks like a man amongst boys i yep. mean and the acceleration too oh my god for that size what is in the water at georgia honestly well speaking of that freaking kenny mcintosh i mean yeah Going into that game, you know, that was kind of the question for us, along with can Stetson Bennett build off of, you know, what he did down the stretch is can Kenny McIntosh be the next guy in what's been a, a long line of, mm-hmm. of dominant Georgia backs? Yeah, he's for real. And the receiving. Yeah. That was really impressive. I mean, NFL-wise, you know, that's that matters a lot these days. Um, we'll get into some more winners and losers and what we're looking forward to in just a second. But first, as you know, NFL football is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of football. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone, even these degenerates with me, can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. It's insane. I ran through the schedule. There's like at least six games in the NFL schedule that you can just hammer away, including the Broncos. Oh, yeah. Like the Broncos, Baltimore against the Jets. Oh, my gosh. I'm a big believer in the Eagles over the Lions. San Fran over the Bears. That might be the one. That one. No. Trey Lance believer alert over here, huh? I'm a Kyle more like a, believer. Well, that and more of a Bears doubter. I mean, come well, on, man. Yeah, the Bears doubt is real. Um, but, you know, depending on where you stand on this Niners-Bears game or any of these, just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official Sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And I also want to give a shout out to Breck Brews, Broncos country. Uh, you know, just like DraftKings, football season is back for us all and all our partners. And, uh, you know, the Mile High City is ready to see what this new look Broncos team has in store. So as you're waiting around on Sunday, waiting for that late Monday nighter, try some some Broncos country. You know Breck Brew has you covered with the hometown craft beer of the Denver Broncos, Broncos country pale ale. 
show off that colorful Colorado legacy with the Orange Crush logo and 100% Colorado ingredients. This will be your go-to for football season. It's uh, it's one of those that only a sicko like me could cra- could uh, crave at 10 a.m. in the morning <laughs> on an NFL Sunday. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find Broncos Country Pale Ale near you. Um, we praise Georgia. We, you know, we we insulted Oregon a little bit. I thought the other storyline from the weekend was Ohio State's highly touted offense. Now, clearly, this this Notre Dame defense was a big test. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, Houston, we have some problems here. Um, the Jigba, Smith and Jigba injury, not great. Strout, look, he comes through in the big moments, but far from his best game. And we talked about it coming into the season. We needed to see more consistency and i thought the left tackle really let me down paris johnson jr um just i'm not seeing it right now i'm not seeing it and i know that conversion from guard to tackle isn't going to be the easiest but a little fraud alert here i would be worried if i were ohio state fans with the state of that offensive line i would say that was probably the most significant thing to me is i mean they just they weren't able to establish their offense. I know like down the stretch, they were kind of able to pull away there, but I don't, they just didn't look physically dominant the way I did or I where the way I thought they would. And, and, you know, maybe I need to give Freeman more credit, you know, again, much like Billy Napier, a coach that came off pretty, pretty solid in his debut. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't look as smooth as, you know, when you watch Bryce Young, Alabama, and their offense operate. And that's not necessarily the most fair comparison, but those are the two guys. Like, the, you know, those are the guys that are battling for QB1. Granted, you know, Alabama playing Utah State, much different level of competition at home. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be concerned if I was Ohio State. Ohio State was a team, you know, I talked them up big on Friday. I was like, they should cover this with ease after what Notre Dame lost. And they did not show up. Yeah, they cost me too. I was heavy on the Buckeyes thinking that they could cover this pretty easily, first half and full game. I mean, this is another concerning season opener, I think, for Ohio State. Last year it was the defensive line uh, with Mo Ibrahim and Minnesota kind of running all over them. This year it's kind of the other side, and still on the defensive side, I mean, there was some there wasn't great success by Notre Dame running the ball, but um, I wouldn't I don't have the vote of confidence that I did in Ohio State's trenches that, that I did under Urban Meyer. So um, true. So that's a huge thing. Uh, Travion Williams kind of dis- or Travion Henderson, sorry, uh, a little bit disappointing. The running back for Ohio State, also, yeah, yeah. as well as C.J. Stroud. I mean, I know not having your best weapon in there and him only getting two receptions for three yards is obviously not ideal. But I thought we'd see a little bit more from Stroud, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. Just some more explosion on the offense. This guy uh, Ekbuka um, kind of came out of nowhere, though. Yeah. So you do have yeah. something yeah. to rely on in that regard. Um, but yeah, I really thought Ohio State had an advantage in terms of receivers going against Notre Dame's defensive backs, and I was proven wrong. I mean, I've kind of talked about it. It's we're finally seeing that change from Urban to Ryan Day, and I mean, Urban; those teams were always dominant run teams. Just think of the running backs that have come out from Ohio State. They obviously win the Natty with Zeke at running back, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, it's a long line of of guys and the O-line obviously has been an absolute pro 
powerhouse. Um, but that's the thing about like, I almost feel like Michigan feels Ohio state-ish back in the day. Like not necessarily an elite quarterback, but I just mean the style of play in which they're going to win. Like their offensive line is phenomenal. Probably yep. the best yep. in the country. They're up there. Blake Corum is a stud in the backfield. I don't mm-hmm. think he's necessarily like my running back, you know, top draft running back or something like that, but he's going to play physical. I'd be concerned if I was an Ohio State fan. Again, Michigan, you know, running through an inexperienced CSU team with 59 new players on both sides of the ball. CSU's defense able to get hold them to field goals on three of their first four red zone attempts. That was a win for the Rams. But when I look at the way this Michigan team is built, out of like all the teams outside of the the SEC, I feel like they're probably the most yep. competent in terms of like being able to hang with the physicality that these SEC teams are going to bring. We'll see. I mean, last year it didn't really make a difference against Georgia, but right, Mazzy Smith, some of those guys. I I like Michigan. Well, I mean, looked unbelievable. What you said, Justin, I I think was all kind of expected. For me, the most unexpected part about Michigan, this defensive line, just their ability to lock and reload every single year. I mean, they've been sending so many guys at defensive line, at edge, at linebacker to mm-hmm. the league, and they continually, under Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh, just pump these guys out. They always have difference makers in the front seven, and uh, you can't say the same thing about Ohio State, so great point, Justin. Yeah, for sure. I think that segues perfectly into has week one changed our final four predictions? No, because I had Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Um, I love Utah. So, I mean, you remain a Clemson believer. I remain a believer that Clemson will take care of business against the schedule that they have to play. I don't necessarily believe that they're one of the four best teams this year defensively i think they can hang with anybody and it's going to give them a shot but their path to the playoff is just a lot easier than some of these other teams are i came away very intrigued by usc over the weekend yeah for 60 um, point game in like a decade yeah i mean defense I know, look good three pick six yes absolutely that's a huge that's a very noteworthy yeah that's uh, it's rice so i'm not i don't want to get too excited about it but caleb williams looked as advertised it was a Lincoln-Riley offense. Make no mistake about that. Uh, Jordan Addison was playing pretty well. Dre already mentioned the pick sixes. That was the thing that stood out the most to me was this defense defense's ability to generate pressure and create turnovers. Um, you had a ton of backs going through. They ran for over 200 yards, but individually no one got over 70, and that was Caleb Williams that mm-hmm. led them with 68. I mean, you've got Taj Washington at right receiver. you got Addison. you got Mario Williams. Brendan Rice is on this team yeah, too, man. Yeah. Um, it's it's a long way to go, but I like what I saw from the Trojans. Outside of the teams that Justin mentioned, um, I guess maybe you could throw, I don't know, Notre Dame maybe in the conversation mm-hmm. now too. Michigan. Um, for sure. But USC was the most impressive non, uh, I guess, already playoff team. On the week. record, 9-9-2022, do you change your Final Four predictions? Well, I don't think I made a Final Four prediction on this show for one. Oh, um, well, shit. I mean... I, I probably wouldn't have had USC in there last week, but I'm telling you now, I think I, I would probably have them in there. I'm very tempted to swap Utah with USC, but you'd still get the Trojans at home. Yep. And that ain't going to be like plain rice, I can tell you that no, much. not at all. Um, so I'll stick to Utah, but they're making me think about it. Let's get into week two. 
Um, maybe not as star-studded a slate as we had last week, but we still have some good ones. I'm always thinking draft first and foremost, especially on this podcast and Kentucky at Florida. Will Levis against A. Rich going to be very, very fun. Uh, does anyone have the line handy too? I'm seeing Florida minus six and a half. Uh, I've got DraftKings showing Kentucky or six-point underdogs plus 190 on the money line. Okay, there you go. Thoughts, picks, things they're watching. I I mean, I know we just kind of gushed about Anthony Richardson, but I feel kind of like Kentucky is the move here. Um, Florida at home as a favorite, though, too. That's hard to bet against. Yeah. But I think that Kentucky, similar to what Utah did, they can match them in the trenches. Uh, the run game can be powerful and really kind of push that offense through some of its down stretches, I guess, with Will Levis. Because I still don't – with Will Levis, he's still a little bit too up and down for me. It's that consistency that I need to see from him. Maybe this is the game, but uh, if I had to pick a side, I think I'd go plus six with Kentucky. I love that. I think we're primed for a letdown from Florida, and I'm all over that plus six as well. Justin? Definitely feels like prime week two letdown after a big win in week one. That side, I'm going to I'm gonna roll with Florida in this one. I, I think they cover at home. Uh, that's more out of respect to Billy Napier than anything else. And just, again, I don't want to get too overreactionary, but I think what Anthony Richardson brings to the table athletically just... It opens up this Florida offense and makes them much more dynamic in a way that we haven't really seen now in, in mm-hmm. a couple of years. So I'd, it's going to be fun, but I got a lot of respect for that Kentucky program because this is, you know, the last four or five years, this is like peak they've, Kentucky. We're going to go on yes. the road and we're going to win this game. They've yeah. built something there. Um, and I mean, now in the SEC, they are not, they're not an auto win anymore. Bam at Texas kind of feels like the big one too, though. I mean, the book's telling us Bama's a 20-and-a-half-point favorite, so big matchup with a grain of salt here. I mean, huge names. Yeah. Um, Quinn Ewers played decently in his first showing. I mean, I don't think – I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think they played anyone really worth talking about. Um, But that should be entertaining in and of itself, just these two quarterbacks – and just seeing, I mean, this is a real just kind of measuring stick game for Texas here. Like, how far have you actually come mm-hmm. under Sark this last year and a half? Because under Herman, it was, I mean, a lot of disappointment. And the recruiting was coming in, but they just couldn't translate it onto the field. I think you're seeing it a bit more on the field with Texas this year. That being said, I'd, I'd still take, I think, Bama 20 and a half, man. I, I just, I can't reasonably, even though it's almost three touchdowns, I can't take betting against Bama. Bama. Yeah. Give me Bama by 30. Wow. I I just don't. Sounds right. I, I have a hard time seeing Texas hang. I think you'll see some moments where, you know, Robinson flashes in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Ewers shows some of that arm it's talent. A big one for Bijan. But the difference in the trenches is just going to be too significant. And this Alabama team is so deep. Like, their five running backs are better than most teams, one around yeah. the country. Not Texas, obviously, because Bijan Robinson's a freaking stud, but. At next year, I think this would be a more interesting game. Sure. Where Texas is at as a program versus where Bama is at right now. And again, all last year, I kept saying Bama was here early. Everybody kept rolling their eyes. 
how do you compete with a team that has the best offensive player in the country, arguably, and Bryce Young and the best defensive player in the country in Will Anderson? Yeah, she could. Um, very intrigued by Bama, minus six and a half in the first quarter, minus 13 mm. in the first half. A little more Love lightning those. ground here on the next few. Baylor at BYU in the trenches, one of the best nose tackles in the class, Siaki Ika, taking on some talented offensive linemen. BYU's offensive tackle Blake Freeland and offensive guard Clark Barrington. Uh, and three points. There BYU you go. by three at home. I'm I'm gonna take the Cougars, I think, man. Um I think I'm gonna trust the quarterback. What's his name? Sorry. Hall, I think. Yeah, um we'll have it for you. In a he's second. a guy that is not he's quite on radar. What's that? He's on radars. Yeah, he's not quite Zach Wilson, but this is a guy that uh, you should know his name and at least watch a few games this season because he can play. I think that I'm going to take him, and I think BYU can match Baylor in the trenches. Yeah, and, uh, Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall. Yep. Um, yeah, give me the Cougars. I'm in on BYU as well. One of the better home field advantages in college football. USC at Stanford, very intrigued by corner Kai Blue Kelly against Addison and the rest of that offense. And it's much more of a real test all of a sudden for USC starting off mm -hmm. the conference slate um, right off the bat. Minus eight for the Trojans in Palo Alto. Tricky. Justin? USC. I, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout like last week, but... I also think that Stanford just doesn't have the horses offensively to, to keep up with this potent Trojans unit. Stanford actually a nice performance last week. I, I think they only played a FCS team, um, but Tanner McKee looked pretty decent. This is, this is an intriguing line, though. Plus eight Stanford. I feel like I almost got to take the Cardinal here. You get more than a touchdown at home. USC's kind of shown that once these teams that they go up against that can punch them in the mouth, they just don't really fit going against them. Um, that being said, though, I think I'm not brave enough to do it. I'm going to take USC minus eight. No home field advantage for Stanford. It's essentially the opposite of BYU. Yeah. Um, we close it out with Tennessee at Pitt, looking to see if Hendon Hooker can keep up this positive momentum. There's a, a little buzz with the Tennessee quarterback now. Give me the Vols. I think Pitt got lucky in week one. Uh, Pitt sucks. Keaton yeah. Slovis is garbage. Yep, I'm going to take the balls also. There you go. That is the draft pod for you. We, as always, are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm hopping on TDSP with these fellas to talk CU, CSU specifically. God, it's so nice to talk about actual games being played and uh, adjusting the stocks to these prospects every single week. Love it. Thank you, fellas. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned with uh, Jake on the buff side, Justin on the Rams. We out.
cuff khakis wearing graphic tees feeling way too trendy raps that kill oh i'm deadly primed and ready like machetes at a deli in new delhi feeling scummy like martin scarelli turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice but water's the truth so i sip on that too skinny looking kid with no car keys like the only thing i drive is rcrv's got the stash like steve harvey oh i'm gnarly like nah, i'm from